Welcome to the Socialites podcast with Kate Vandervoort, where I interview changemakers, innovators and community managers on how they grow and activate their communities online. Brought to you by Social Mediology. Welcome everyone to episode 61 of the Socialites podcast. I am here today with Paul Bradley, who is head of global community at Agora Pulse. And I'm so excited to be speaking to Paul about all things community. Welcome today, Paul. Hey, um, thank you for having me. Much appreciated. So let's jump right on in and tell me, Paul, what is it that lights you up? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think that being a community manager, it's fun because you're you're helping people, like you're bringing an impact to people. And so like it's inherent in people that they all want to achieve mastery, right? And so we get to be the facilitators of that achievement. And that's just fun. You know, it, it's almost like being a game master or something like that. I, I had a great call with um, uh, Deb Mitchell, who's on my team today, about gamification. And she had so many amazing ideas. And I was like, God, this is just fun, you know? And, and that's the kind of stuff that really excites me. As you move forward in the community profession, you and you're managing a team and you're managing contracts and stuff sometimes you can be extracted or you move further away from what's fun about it um and so it's you need to put yourself back in front of it uh, but even still you know when you're working on contracts and, and managing teams and whatnot you kind of get excited about the notion that everything that you do um knocks over a domino and i think i've tweeted this before but everything you do knocks over a domino that ends in, in helping someone so that's kind of what what excites me is is what we do is we're solutions brokers people have problems they come to communities to get solutions so um that's kind of powerful how lucky are we to work in an area that feels fun most of the time yeah <laughs> So, Paul, tell us a bit about your journey to community, because I find community managers or those responsible for community have got such diverse backgrounds. So up to your role now, how did you get into this? What was it that drew you to community? I mean, it was kind of haphazard, really. You know, I, I had an English degree in college, which means, you know, you're qualified to write or to wait tables. Uh, so I did some of that. Uh, um and, uh, you know, I wrote for a small newspaper in Arizona as I was bartending at the Arizona Biltmore and um, ultimately moved to, to Washington, D.C. and uh, got into communications work um, and, and found myself lightly passionate about that. I, I went to um, I remember I went to a seminar for, uh, by a guy named Doug Williams. I don't even know if he's still around, but he used to own a marketing firm in Houston called Fuse Five. Um, and I just went to one seminar of his that really resonated with me over time and, and kind of made me passionate about communications writing and writing in a concise and clean and pretty and, and impactful way. And so I was doing comm stuff really through my 20s and uh, nothing to speak of though. And I got laid off in the recession. So like, I think it was like January 2nd or 3rd, uh, 2009. And uh, what I did was in those days, like I had a BlackBerry for work. And nowadays people would never do this. Like their work phone would never be their personal phone. But in 2009, I think that was standard, or at least if you're in your 20s. Because so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go buy an iPhone. I've been fired. I've been laid off. And I was like, I'm going to go buy an iPhone. And, uh, and I got in a car accident on the way to buying an iPhone. Um, so I got laid off and got in a car accident in succession. I did get an iPhone. 
Um, it was like the iPhone three or something. So that was a victory. Um, first in a, in a long succession of, of iPhones. Um, and uh, from there, I really just couldn't scrape things together. You know, I, I left DC, I headed back home to Phoenix where I'm from. I, I briefly was in Dallas, did some blogging stuff and, and uh, freelance work. I had a friend who was kind of a um, entrepreneur and he, he, had some board games. I wrote questions for board games, things like that. And ultimately I landed in Phoenix back home during the recession. Recession lasted a little longer in Phoenix than it did in the rest of the US. And um, and I was kicking around and I got some blogging gigs. And really this is kind of the origin story. I, I, I was working for a guy who was sort of an internet entrepreneur and he had 15 young guys, like 23 year old guys, just in an office in Tempe, Arizona, uh, doing all kinds of random stuff. He had, he was renting vacation hall. He was doing like Power Rangers fan sites. Like, I mean, it's just, there was just a hundred things going on. He uh, wanted me to blog for him. And back then, if you remember, if you were in like the SEO game in 2010 or so, it was all about just having new content all the time. Didn't matter what the content was. And I styled myself as a writer. I've been blogging a ton. He wanted me to write 25 different sports blogs for him a month. And, and then another like 15 blogs on this party planning website. Totally random, right? Like I'm just hustling at the stage. Um, and uh, But I've got my overhead and this guy's paying me what I think is is fine. Um, it's better than the, the fact that I just haven't been able to find work for a year. <laughs> and uh, feeling good. And one day I go in there and he's liked my work and I've put together some good YouTube videos and, and I'm sports blogging and I'm writing, blah, 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 and that. And he says, hey, are you a social media expert? And when you're working for yourself, the answer is yes to anything that somebody says that you, when you smell a dollar sign, yes, of course. And then you just sort it out later. And he said, oh, good. Um, and so I need you to grow the following for this party planning Twitter account that I have uh, by 5,000 by next month. And so every month I would go in there and get a check from my work from home. So it was the meeting to talk about what well, you want me to do this month, give me a check and then we go. So by the time you come in to get your next check, you need to grow this by 5,000 or you're fired for, for everything that you're doing. And so I had some side clients. I had some blogging things on the side where I was making a few hundred dollars a month or whatever, but this was really my job at this stage. This was paying the bills. And I'm fired if I don't get 5,000 Twitter followers. And I'm just thinking like, this is impossible, but you know, whatever. I don't know anything about Twitter. It's 2010. <laughs> I was not an early adopter. I may have had an account that I never signed into again or something. And uh, so I set about, I go home and I set about trying to figure out how do you get tw Twitter followers? So I end up, you know, on one of those sites where you buy them, right? So I get like a thousand that I buy and I realize they're all bots. And, you know, this guy's internet savvy. He's, he's super like high tech savvy. He's going to see right through that. So I'm like, okay, what else do I do? Eventually I cobbled together over the course of this month while I'm also writing, you know, 50 blogs and doing all this other stuff. I cobbled together some tools at the time. Uh, there were things like brand chirp and, and, and others. I, I can't, I'm not going to remember them all. Um, but means through which to to follow and unfollow and 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 track your Twitter followers. 
And ultimately, I think I landed on something called Tweet Adder, um, which people will remember if they were in that game from years ago, which is why there's, you'll, if you see somebody who's got a Twitter account from 10 years ago that's got 100,000 followers and they're following 100,000 people, yeah. that was Tweet Adder. That was yeah. how they did it. <laughs> it was. Um, and so I found that. So anyway, by the end of the month, I get in there and uh, I've got like 2,300 followers. And uh, he says, wow. And I go in there, I'm, I'm preparing to be fired. I'm preparing to like go back into, okay, I need to find clients. I need to do this. I need to do that. And he says, how did you do this? And, and I say, I don't know. I just, I sort of figured it out. You know, you I'm say, an expert. I told, I told you I was an expert, right? Like, you know, I don't reveal my secrets. Like, what are you talking about? Um, and uh, he said, amazing, you know you're not like, this is great. Can you do it again next month? And I said, so I'm not fired. <laughs> and I was totally shocked because I thought I had to get to that 5,000. This guy's not like a, like a, he's, he's not like a, he's kind of a humorless guy. <laughs> um, Carlos. Yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk soon. He's doing great. Um, but uh, he says, uh, yeah, no, this is great. Do it again. Keep doing it. And uh, so I kept doing it. And obviously like I honed it down to targeting people by industry, targeting people by location, doing all these different little things, using five or six tools at once, re being really intentful about um, who customers wanted to follow their accounts. And so I had a growth hacking business on my hands. And the one thing I didn't know how to do was run a business and certainly didn't know how to collect money. Um, and so I was in this miserable disrepair, like not getting paid all the time, paying my rent late because I had, you know, thousands of dollars worth of accounts that I couldn't get people to pay. Um, I was not a bill collector. And uh, at a certain point, you know, I'm feeling relatively decent about where I am in, in terms of what I've accomplished, but I'm just not feeling like it's a career. And I get an email one day from a guy who says, hey, would you like to be a community manager? And I was thinking, well, you know, I work for myself. So if I'm going to manage an apartment complex, I bet they give me free rent. And, uh, you know, that'll cover my overhead. So if I lose some clients, then maybe I can do it. And, and then the guy says, no, uh, this is for Intel. Um, uh, they like your social media background and, and they need a contract community manager. And I said, OK, I don't know what that is, um, but I'll interview for it because it pays every week and I uh, can't get myself paid. And I really just want to stop living hand to mouth. Um, and so uh, I went in there and since it was a contract job, I did one interview and I was in the door that next Monday. Um, once I learned what community manager was, what I, what I was supposed to be doing, I just ate it all up. And in 2012, at that point, um, there was really only John O. Bacon out there kind of like guiding people. I, I think Rich Millington was around going back that late, but I didn't find him. Uh, I found Jono and, and, and I was super into his stuff and, and, and what he had going on at Ubuntu at that time. And so I just got really excited about anything that he would put online and crafted things and got obsessed with gamification and, and, and everything like that. And the red tape at Intel, particularly for a contractor, you know, as a green badge, I wasn't somebody who they were gonna listen to for the most part. They were just feeling a hole until they could put somebody internal there. I didn't realize that at the time, I thought I was going places. But um, I just was never able to get them to move on anything that, that I wanted to do. And so I had a lot that I wanted to do. I, I basically, it was like boot camp for nine or 10 months. I was at Intel coming up with just everything that I would do to, to supercharge a community. And uh, ultimately, the position ended. And I was interviewing for a gig at ADP. And uh, Laura Lerner, who's a mentor of mine, a favorite, a hero of mine, great knowledge management genius um, at Coupa Software now, 
she in the interview process just said, you know, what would you do? And I just threw the kitchen sink at her. I was like, Here, here's everything that I would do. And she's like, all right, well, you're hired. Let's do it. And um, so we just did everything that I came up with for Intel. And it turned out to be a much more manageable use case. Payroll, uh, payroll folks, um, it turned out was kind of lightning in a bottle, right? Like you had a group of people who managed payroll for the most part that were our target audience. And what we learned was by providing a, a, a like-minded place, a venue for people in, in that sphere to get together, um, we gave them something that they were just lacking in the workplace, which was, um, first of all, um, recognition. Second of all, um, people like them. And uh, often at, at mid-sized companies, and so the, largely the people that, that populated that community, the bridge for ADP, were uh, you know, 50 to, to 1,000 employees. Typically, there's just one payroll person in that case. And a lot of what they deal with are people who feel like they have something wrong with their paycheck and that they often, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to like paraphrase in a way that's like, I'm saying this is so true for people in payroll, but what we learned from a lot of people was a lot of people in payroll felt that uh, their interactions at work were, were good to a point until the person they had a relationship with had something wrong with their paycheck and that would ruin their relationship or or whatever and it's a kind of like a no-win thing nobody gives you a pat on the back for getting your payroll right 50 times in a row it's just when it's wrong once for a group of people then then you're a monster and so we provided like a fun atmosphere for people to get together solve problems you know share things and and, and be human and it just took off and so from there i spent four years at adp Working on those communities, we replicated the U.S. community uh, for a number of international markets. I moved on to, to MicroStrategy and ran the program there for a hot minute. That wasn't necessarily where I, I needed to be. I had been bugging Heather McNair, who was, was kind of a hero of mine in the community industry. She was chief community officer at Higher Logic at that time. Higher Logic, as you know, is, or if you know don't know, is a platform provider in the corporate community space or association of corporate community space. And uh, they're in my backyard. I'd, I'd since moved back to Virginia to, to the Washington, D.C. area in 2015. And uh, I had gone to lunch with Heather a few times. She just didn't have she had a strategic services department for a community. Uh, but there was nothing senior enough for me at the time. And uh, you were talking about in the pre-show that community has become this hot thing in the last year or so. And those of us who've been around the field for a long time, Remember when the only job title was community manager for the most part, there were some outliers like your Eric Cools of the world and, and stuff like that. But for the most part, we ran into kind of a ceiling where you couldn't get a job beyond what you already were. And somebody might call you a community manager to have you do more advanced things, but it just wasn't like you know, there wasn't the field wasn't a career path. And, and it was one of those things where a lot of us who've been in it for a while were like, if it doesn't turn into this, then I don't know what to do. Like, I'm passionate about this, but I can't just be CM for my entire career. Like, I have to be building teams and and, and doing things like that. And, um, you know, uh, I got that opportunity by going to Higher Logic. Um, and and Heather gave me that chance um, to run a team that uh, consulted for 
uh, a, a Fortune 50 client, big client, and uh, big software client, giant sort of historic client. And we had upwards of nine people on the team at a given time. Uh, that was too many. Sometimes we we pared it down and everything like that. Um, but uh, it, it was fun. And it, it hearkened me back to when I got hired by Laura Lerner in 2013. She asked me what my plan was for five years from now. And I said, I'd love to be managing a team of like six, seven community managers, because as a singular community manager, that seemed implausible in 2013 that you would, you would have that unless you were Jono. Um, and so uh, that sort of in that that was a dream to be managing that team. And I did that for three years. And uh, Agora Pulse and I started talking earlier this year, and they had a vision for a community that to me was unprecedented, if not well, I mean, I haven't seen it done in a lot of cases. I'm really excited to do it myself, uh, and well, not myself, with our team, and uh, and go from there. So, yeah, so that's kind of, if, if that makes sense, if, if that narrative means something. It kind of started with the day the guy said, are you a, a social media expert? And, and now here we are, nine years, 10 years, well, 11 years later, um, and I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I um, I did a social work degree, so I often say I got the social part right, but social media didn't exist back when I did my sure. social yeah. work degree. So yeah. <laughs> we all seem to have come come to here in you know our own unique ways. But for many of us, it is through social media. Um, so talk to us a bit about Agora Pulse and the impact that Agora Pulse makes in the world. For those who don't know what Agora Pulse is or does, please share with us. Yeah, well, Agora Pulse is is kind of a special company in that it's very much uh, it's it's run by uh, CEO Emmerich Arnold, who is just a, a good person. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody today. It's like it's working at a company where the CEO is relatable, where the CEO makes human decisions, where where you you see things from the CEO um, that you want to model your own behavior after. I joke that I'm not like a CEO worship type person, right? Like that exists in the world and it's, it's silly and it's, it's kind of like problematic in certain cases, but that's not, I mean, I find myself worshiping Emmerich in, in some capacity just because I want to be like that. I want to be a selfless and egoless and, and um, mindful of people, um, even, even mindful of people in a way where, when they're not acting in their best interest, how to kind of save them from themselves, that kind of thing, um, you know, and, and that all just trickles down. And so, yeah, Agora Pulse is a, is, is a social media management tool and it's a great one. It it's, it's gets uh, the top ratings in the industry. We're just, we're small, we're a little engine that, that can right now. Um, we're trying to, trying to chip away, get market share, um, particularly in the United States. And so we're all working really hard. The teams are, are such magical people. And, and I hate to use superlatives like that, but like, you know, I've got people on this team uh, working to, to drive things in, into the, the moon or into the stratosphere who also like in their spare time are, 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 you know, creating other businesses to, or like, you know, creating programs to empower people and whatnot. And so we have this sort of work-life balance and, and it's helpful. I think that we have a European mentality at Agora Pulse, a French company um, uh, where people spend their free time taking what they're applying at work and what they're learning at Agora Pulse to help other people, um, you know, accomplish things in their lives and whatnot. 
And, and that's kind of the spirit that we're taking into our community effort, which is that, you know, we typically a, a, an online community from a corporate perspective is going to be a support community, right? You're going to be call deflection, um, case deflection, that kind of thing. And, and, that, and there's, I mean, that's where I come from. That's where I cut my teeth. And I, I think there's nobility in that significantly because, you know, people would much rather, in my opinion, especially people of a younger generation, go to a site um, and get their problem solved quickly than, than call in and, and maybe spend a bunch of time on the phone. But we're not going to do that. We down the road, and, and just wink, wink to you. We're going to do that, right? Like we're going to have a support community. But right now, um, and, and this kind of speaks to the priorities of the company. We have a great support team at Agora Pulse. First of all, it doesn't need any help. Um, second of all, um, what we want to do is is create a hub for people who are interested in this industry to better themselves. Um, and so for them to get education, you know, we have this thing called the Social Media Manager School that we acquired a year ago from, from Phyllis. Um, and, uh, you know, Phyllis Karras is still on board and we're taking the social media manager school and we're, and we're cooking it into a community platform and, and we're creating sort of a comprehensive collaboration and learning hub that I think is going to be really interesting for people. I don't want to give too much away. Um, but what we're focused on and our goal is not to market Agora Pulse. It's not to um, teach people more about how to use Agora Pulse. It's just to teach people how to excel in the field of social media, whether they're a sole proprietor, whether they want to run an agency, whether they want to work at an agency, whether they want to work with big brands, run big brand teams. We're going to have something for you. Um, and we're going to have people there to, to kind of teach you things. And we're going to bring you together. Like if you want a mastermind group and you want to, to learn from agency owners, you're going to have that opportunity. If you want to learn from influencers, people who are giving keynotes, you're going to have that opportunity. So um, it's just cool. Like we're, we're, we're having fun and it was Emmerich's vision. And, you know, I've seen it done in certain ways before, but never, I think this altruistically. So we're, we're feeling like it's, it's an exciting project and, uh, and we're getting there. You know, I, I did like several months of discovery, um, just interviews upon interviews with folks which was super fun. Like that's the most fun part, I think, to, uh, of launching a community is doing that discovery and getting to know what actually motivates people. Um, and so now we're just sort of plugging along, building the team and, and uh, ready, to, ready to kick ass. Sorry, I don't know if you can say ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's really interesting because one of the things that's quite different here in Australia, we don't have the tech community in the same way that you do in the US. So a lot of our communities here are not necessarily tech customer support focused. They're quite mm -hmm. um, different, lots of different applications for community. Um, what's interesting about what you're talking about though, is you've got your software or your platform that you're selling, and now you've brought in this other element, which is around education. And it sounds like what the company's done really um, gracefully, I guess, is put community where it needs to be and that community is not about selling or support and with some kind of ulterior motive, but it's genuinely about seeing the customer being on the journey with the customer. Has it always been that way or has there been some tension in figuring that out along the way? No, I mean, I've only been here since May, but um, the concept came straight from the top. And you know, it's that idea that we as as leaders in the industry have feel a responsibility to to help people navigate that industry. And, you know, that's as simple as that. And, you know, we feel that that that's a role for us to play and that community is the way we're going to do it. And, you know, for me, it was just such an easy transition to make because that kind of messaging to somebody who's been trying to prove community from the bottom up, you know, at organizations for years to have that come down 
from the top in the interview process, I was arguably begging them for the job. I don't know how I got the job because I was so desperate for it once I learned what it was. <laughs> well, and I mean, we all know that unless it comes from the top and unless it's supported from the top, that that, that community journey can be a real struggle um, yeah, for community terrible. managers who get the benefit but can't kind of get that across the line. Um, so where does community sit in the business? Is it part of the marketing team or it's really its own area yeah it's part of the marketing team in that i support uh, like i report to our chief revenue officer michael angeletta and and i like you know surely like all at the end of the day the community is is something that is it's not traditional marketing right um but it, it had to sit somewhere and that's kind of what you run into a lot of times it has to sit somewhere ultimately the ambition is for community to be its own pillar within the company and that's that's a shared ambition amongst um, everybody, you know, uh, at this stage, it's just, it's living there right now because that's, that's where it needs to live. Uh, and, and maybe it does forever, but like, you know, it's it, community itself is, is a singular effort. Um, and, uh, but, but I mean, it, it'll be supported in, in certain aspects. Obviously we'll use our social media and whatnot in, in some capacity though. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, teetering on whether or not to create separate social media for it, given that it's not technically a marketing effort. And so, you know, we're, we're in decision-making stages right now. Um, and so there's a lot of conversations still swirling around. And what does that community look like? Is that on public platforms, social media platforms, or is that sit within your own website infrastructure? Where does, where does the community sit or what does it look like? Yeah, so I'm a platform guy. Um, you know, I, I I was heavily entrenched in the Jive world at Intel. They, we used Jive the four uh, the four subsequent years at ADP. We used Jive. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the history of Jive, but I remember thinking like we're going to live forever. And Jive was this thing. It was this this phenomena, and you would go to Jive World in Vegas every year, and you'd see all these businesses that had predicated their entire existence on Jive. And and I remember thinking like in Jive World 16 or so, is that good? Is it good to predicate your entire business on another business <laughs> and, and and working things in that? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. And at the time also, I thought that, you know, a lot of my value was tied up in the and how much I knew about Jive software. Um, and then at Jive World in 2017, they announced that the, there was this, this, this infamous Jive World keynote um, from 2017, where they announced that they'd been acquired by this no-name company out of Texas nobody had ever heard of. And, uh, and basically, uh, they said, it's going to be fine. And it wasn't fine. And basically, that company just dissolved. Um, and so, you know, you, you end up with different solutions. I, you know, personally was able to advance my career in ways that allowed me to run teams and, and move away from just value that's tied to a particular software platform. And, and I think the industry itself, too, has moved away from that because people are starting to realize that, like, the purveyor of community management is so much more than just the, the tool they use. Uh, but that being said, I'm all about community platforms. I'm all about existing on freestanding sites, on dynamic software that is meant specifically for community building and community interaction. So, you know, obviously I worked at Higher Logic for several years. Um, that's a big one. They acquired Vanilla. That was another big one. Koros is, is another big one. We're going to build our community on Discourse. Um, if you're familiar with that, 
it was started by some uh, like Stack Overflow alumni in 2012, and it's open source, and uh, I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, I don't think I would have started a discourse community in 2014, but with nine years of people out there building stuff, one of the things that you run into uh, with the typical, the, the traditional walled um, community platforms these days is you're, you're, it's incumbent on that company to develop things for the tool that are new, right? And uh, I, it, that can be frustrating on the client end. You're just like, oh, I'm waiting for this roadmap. And if they don't put it on the roadmap, then they have to kind of lie to me about it, not really being on the roadmap and, and this and that. And I say that speaking from both sides of that issue, uh, having been the, the person doing that and the person receiving it. Um, and so from my perspective, and you know, I, a guy named Mark Eichler, who I worked with at Higher Logic, is the person whose company is going to build our custom discourse uh, implementation. He said to me, you know, if there's anything that you've thought of ever to do in community, someone's probably done it with discourse and we can use that. Um, but if you think of something that hasn't been done, we can build it. And that's the beauty of it is you're not reliant. You don't have to go ask discourse, hey, like, can, can, when's this going to happen? Like, you go make it happen. Um, and I love that. And, and particularly as somebody who is constantly trying to kind of come up with new things for communities to do, um, I'm super psyched. And it's, it's uncharted territory. You know, I, that's a friend of mine, Lindsay Stark, who's like, the, the biggest secret in the community industry, um, if, if you don't know her, uh, is the smartest community manager that I know, um, is working at a place called Conservify that was on kind of a shoestring budget. And she said, I'm just going to spin up a, a discourse community and see where it takes me. And I didn't really know that much about it. But uh, I started digging into it because she said, if, if Lindsay recommends something, I'm, I'm going to look into it. Um, and, and I'm just enamored with it. So I'm excited about discourse. Fantastic. And what does it sounds like it's, um, you know, the journey everyone goes through in trying to determine the best place for their community yeah. to sit. But what role does social media play in your community? So, you know, one of the things we often talk about is that journey from the public facing platforms that might sit on, you know, all the social media platforms that we know and love well, except for when they go down. Um, yeah. <laughs> that journey from how people find out about you in public spaces to moving to that um, hosted community. How do those two things sit together for Agora Pulse? We're super fortunate to have had a lot of people do a lot of great work um, at Agora Pulse before I came on. And that's a big part of why I was enticed in here, whether it's the community that's already been built by the Social Media Manager School or the communities we've already built on Facebook. You know, Deb, who I mentioned before, has been instrumental in building the Social Media Pulse community and maintaining that um, we have uh, the agency love community on Facebook, you know, so th those those communities are, are hugely valuable to us. And the work that's been done to build those has been basically a, like a, a prove it factor in, in moving toward this this self-hosted um, community that I was hired to, to bring in. So to your to your question, really, like we proved that we could build audiences that way. And now we can use those audiences to 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 populate something larger. Yeah, fantastic. Sounds like you've come on board at the perfect time to see the benefit yeah. of that that's happened previously. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about some of the strategies that you might use to keep your audience or your community engaged and taking action or staying connected to your company? 
Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, one of the things I talk about all the time is that you can do all kinds of fun stuff in your community. And this is this is going to be a, either a, a paraphrase or more verbose version of a tweet I sent not long ago. Um, you can have cool people in to do like AMAs and talk about this and talk about that. Um, and that's good. That's like cherry on top type stuff. But you've got to solve problems for people's day to day, you know, like people, people need to use you to get through their day. Um, you know, I, I remember one of the more powerful pieces of feedback that I got, you know, back in the ADP days, was a guy told me, there's this thing I always forget. And it's something that I, in my job, people expect me to just know it. And I constantly forget the nuances of, of what my answer ought to be. And there's an answer in your community there's, there's, a, there's a discussion thread in your community that breaks it down. Is that I have it bookmarked and people will often ask me something about that topic and I just immediately go blank and I head to that bookmark. And as I'm talking, I remind myself using your community that that notion, the notion of a guy or, or a woman or anybody who is using a community to uh, back up their own expertise in a way that allows them to save face or something. That's so powerful to me. That kind of goes back to what you were asking at the beginning is like, we all have mental lapses and brain farts. We're all human. And that's what community management is all about, that we are all human. Everybody's point of view is valuable and let's service everybody's point of view. Um, but this concept that this, this man told me, uh, I use it this way. It was like, God, you love those crutches that you have. We all have bookmarks and, and things that we go to um, when we're not feeling right. The idea that the community had achieved that for him um, was something really powerful to me. And, and, and like anecdotally, one of the things that I, I consistently tell people or, or the way I explain what I do for a living to people, which is um, I say, I'm a community manager. And they say, I don't know what that is. And I say, okay, uh, you ever like, and this is just something that used to happen to me ever like in your car and, and say, let's say your steering wheel locks up and you can't get your car started. What do you do? Uh, what would you do? And if somebody, you know, is, like is a peer of mine, they, they're going to say, I'm going to Google, you know, Nissan Maxima 2015 steering wheels locked up. And then I say, where do you end up? And you're like, well, usually there's somebody else that's happened to, and they talk about how to do it. And I said, there you go. <laughs> that's it. And you got to work that morning because of that community, right? Like, so think about it that way. Like if you're building a community, think about it like being the person who allows the, another person to start their car and get to the office that day. You've got to have that kind of content in your community where, uh, you know, an AMA with an expert is cute and fun. Uh, and, and, and that ought to be there as, as sprinkles. But the meat and potatoes of the thing needs to be, stuff that gets people through their day, that, that, that helps them learn more, that helps them gain skills, that helps them get a better job, make more money, be a better person, provide more for their family. And I know that's very like uh, existential, I guess, but. Uh, <laughs> well, to me, that's the heart of community is how yeah. a business or a brand supports their customer on their journey to being more than they are, you know, right now. And yeah. I think the more it's wonderful to hear from larger companies that have that approach because um, really I see that that's the true value of community, but so often there's these ulterior motives. So it sounds like you've got, you know, community first and you un completely understand the essence and the heart of that community. Yeah, I hope um, so. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> certainly sounds that way, Paul. <laughs> um, so if you were giving advice to a smaller company or business who was just getting started in community, um, what would you say to them? What would your advice be? What would their goal be, first of all? Like, what, what's their, like, you know, like, I, I need to know, like, are they trying to, you know, do support deflection? Are they trying to create a revenue stream? Um, you know, that's, that'd be first. So, yeah, like in this use case, what would you say? Excellent. That's always the best place to start. And I love, too, that you've been doing <laughs> a whole lot of, um, you know, interviews, I think, is the other one. Really understanding truly and deeply what your customers need from you, what their biggest yeah. points and problems. So how did you approach those conversa conversations? Was that kind of a public exercise or did you go and find your top customers? Oh, we, uh, you know, went to the HubSpot coffers and uh, sent a CEO generated email. So Emmerich, you know, from Emmerich's account saying, hey, if you'd like to meet with our head of community, here's his Calendly. <laughs> um, and uh, and booked, uh, like, I think I booked like 70 interviews and I think that wow. we did 40 something. We had some no-shows there. Um, obviously, you know, people are going to, you know, you look at things on your calendar that aren't vital to getting you through your day, right? And uh, you might not show up to that thing, you might blow it off. So we did over 40 of those, you know, 30 minutes to an hour and a half in, in, in a lot of cases. And uh, just started like one of the, Michael, my boss said, you know, you want to just keep doing them till you start hearing all the same stuff over and over again. Um, and that's what we did. Uh, and, and what we heard was, uh, you know, a lot of People, people want help. They want help learning how to get better. They want help learning how to upskill um, providing social media services and they, they want help with their career. Um, so those are two kind of core funnels is, you know, I, I want help learning how to get a promotion, learning how to talk to my boss, learning how to invoice people, learning how to run a business, learning how, what to charge, things like that. So um, there's a lot more nuance to it, but the, the basics of it were that, yeah. And does your community help inform developments within Agora Pulse? The community doesn't exist yet. <laughs> we're still building it. Um, but no, it, it won't be about Agora Pulse at all. Um, there, there will be the only thing that you'll see there is um, it, it'll be called Social Media Pulse Community uh, powered by Agora Pulse, something like that. Um, and so, yeah, it won't it won't provide any kind of updates. Ultimately, you know, I see a future where there is a support community specific to Agora Pulse that you could get to from that community and say, like, hey, are you an Agora Pulse customer and looking for support? You would go over there. Um, but no, this is just an education and and upskilling um, venue. Although I imagine having run social media education communities myself for many years, that you will find the pain points are really, really obvious because <laughs> they will be spoken about over and over in that community. Yeah. Um, so no doubt we'll um, give you some ideas for how, how your platform may support them in their professional journey too. Yeah. Well, so we're, I mean, I'm not like, we're hiring a director of community education and um, that's kind of like a new job out there in the industry over the course of the last year role. or so. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, we're we're in the process. We're very close to to um, delivering an offer this week, and I'm um, very excited about the person to whom we're offering the position. And you know that person will deal with those things and those foibles and and the things that you run into uh, as it relates to to social media education um, and growing the growing the program. You know, you know, uh, connecting it to people, getting getting people into our ecosystem, you know, earlier and earlier, that's, that's going to kind of be the, the, one of the core pieces of that role. Yeah. Fantastic. So Paul, as we're starting to wrap up, I always like to ask, what's your favorite online community to be a part of personally? So not the one you're building, um, but where's your favorite place to hang out and why, what makes it important to you? You know, I like, I, I really think that, the only answer for me is Reddit. Um, I think that Reddit is, changes the game. Uh, like it, it, it's it's everything in terms of online community, right? Like they've done so much um, and and laid so much groundwork for for what any use case, right? Like you, you can, it's been proven out on Reddit. If you are trying to do anything, it's been proven out on Reddit and, and what they do, um, to kind of incentivize users and things like that. There's just inspiration there all the time. Um, and so I spent, I'm a huge lurker on Reddit. Like you'll never find my profile. I don't do a ton. And I'm, I'm naturally as, despite being a community manager, I'm, I'm a lurker, right? And like, I've always, um, and I'm a power lurker. And, and so that's something that I actually got, uh, <laughs> Heather to, to, um, or at least to, to recognize um, at higher logic before is the notion of the super lurker, the power lurker. And, and in fact, how that person may be the person getting the most value from your community, because if they don't have to interact, then you're doing a great job, right? Um, so uh, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm a big- I haven't heard that yeah. before, the power lurker. We always talk about yeah. power users, but the power lurker. Yeah, well, it's a person who's getting a ton of information and, and doesn't, need to do anything else right like i mean that's what your goal is zero touch solutions right like that's that's what you want from nearly anyone obviously i love to engage in in different ways um i'm terrible at twitter i i i try i get i, get, I go through like spikes of engagement and then just totally fall off um but yeah i mean i, I think that uh i think that reddit may not be i think that some people will will try to claim that reddit isn't uh traditional online community, but I think that we're not traditional online community. I think Reddit is is the gold standard and, and we're just trying to live up to that. <clears throat> yeah, great. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for being with me today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with people or where people can find you? We'll include all the links in the show notes. No, I'm just, you know, trying. My goal is just to get through 45 minutes without making a fool of myself. So yeah. hopefully I did that. <laughs> <laughs> You've done that. It's been a little bit choppy with my children screaming in the background. No, don't worry about that. <laughs> but thank you so much, Paul, for being here today. It's been great chatting with you. And we will, of course, put um, the Agora Pulse details in, in our show notes and your, your profiles as well. So thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us on the Social Lights podcast produced by Social Mediology. You can connect with us on Facebook at Social Lights Podcast and you can find today's show notes and more episodes at socialmediology.com.au forward slash social lights. 
Please subscribe in your favourite podcast platform to receive future episodes and share with your tribe to inspire others to action.